You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon is You Can Do It. You can do it. Say it with me. I can do it. One, two, three. I can do it. Say it again. I can do it. I can do it. The scripture we're kind of pairing uh, offering and the main scripture we're going to focus on today. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, we just said it. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountiful will also reap bountiful. Verse 7 says, so let each one give as he purposes in his or her heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then verse 8 is where we're going to, to talk about today. And God is able. Isn't that a good scripture to start with? And God is able to make all grace, not some, not a little bit. Remember, we're dealing with an abundant God. God is able to make all grace abound toward who? Toward me, toward you. And when he pushes all his grace toward you, what happens? That you always, 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 in the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and downs, whatever's going on in the world, always having all sufficiency in all things, look at this, may have an abundance for every good work. Aren't you glad that God is able? We talk about this, and I've preached about it before. We need two things in regards to God moving in our lives. I'm glad that God is able. We see in the scriptures that God is able to create the universe And he's also able to create the individual cell, the individual atom. We see throughout the scriptures that God is able to raise the dead. God is able. He's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sidkenu. He's got all these names. He has a son who's the Messiah, who's the Savior. He's able to save everyone. He's putting a plan together to save all of humanity. It's great that he's able to do that. I'm glad that he is able to do that. But my question to God is, are you willing? I'm glad that you're able to do it. He can lift a thousand pounds. He can do all these things, but is he willing to do it in my life? Matthew chapter 8 I believe it's a leper, someone sick comes up to Jesus and he tells Jesus, if you are willing, will you make me clean? Now he already knows that Jesus is able because he wouldn't be standing in front of Jesus if he didn't know that he was able to heal the lepers. Word probably travels fast in the leper community in those three years. They're shunned, they're pushed away, they're all these things. And he goes, I already know you're able. My faith level is already high enough to know that you are able to heal leprosy. But what I'm asking on a personal level is, are you willing to make me clean? Are you able to do all these things in the universe, but are you willing to do it in my universe? And Jesus says the simple thing, I am willing, be clean. Not only is God able to do all of these things, he's also willing That's why he says, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open. Because God is able to do all things, and he's also willing to do them in your life. God is able. 
God wants to do something in your life. And I believe he wants to do something this year in your life. But he wants to work with you to build it. And I believe that he wants you to put your hand to the plow this year to help you in your life. We're going to look at this scripture and we're going to pair it with the story of Noah. See that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you'll have all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God wants you to build something this year. He wants to help you build something in your life this year. And you never know what you're building will the effect be on the other side. Could be something new. Could be something to protect you. Could be something to help you. If God asked me to build something, if God asked me to put my hands on something and do something, he's not doing it to bring destruction into my life. He's doing it. He's encouraging me. He's telling me to protect me from the destruction. And I believe today we can talk about it and that you can do it. You can do it. So there's a couple questions, and I, I wrote them down here, so if you're taking notes, you can see them. I've got three questions that we're going to talk about in regards to Noah. Number one, what is God telling you to build? What is God telling you to build? Number two, uh-oh, here's the not fun one. Have you obeyed and started building? Number three, do you have the faith that God will do his part? We're going to look at the story of Noah and parrot to the 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. What is God telling you to build? Have you obeyed and started building? And Do you have the faith that God will do his part? Let's look at the first question. As you're praying this week, as you're studying this week, if you're having your alone, intimate times with God this week, you can go back and just ask these questions. And the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us in all truth. He'll help us. What is God telling you to build? Genesis chapter 6, verses 13, 14, and 18 is the beginning of the story of Noah. Genesis chapter 13 says, And God said to Noah, What did God tell you to build? And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And everyone says, Amen, praise God, what a great scripture. Look at verse 14, though. And God says to Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And you can keep reading the full distinction and diagram and specifics. God just doesn't say, hey, build a cruise ship. See you in a couple days. Don't forget to put an umbrella on top. He gives very specific details on how Noah is going to build it. And then we drop down to verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you. Praise God for the covenant. Praise God that God is a covenant God. And he's a covenant God with humanity. And he's a covenant God not just with all of humanity, but with specific people. And the idea of a covenant is what you have, I have, and what I have, you have. 
Sometimes I want to pull God off to the side and be like, God, do you truly understand the idea of the covenant? Because what I have is not really anything good. I've got sin, I've got embarrassment, I've got failure, I've got doubt, I've got unbelief. And the good things that I do have, you've got heaven, you've got gold, you've got cattle on a thousand hills, you've got all these angels, you've got all these things. I've got just a little old house with some property and a dog and a cat. All I have is my little heart. He says, I understand the covenant. I want all of that. But God, do you know what I get in return? That's crazy. Just give me a little bit of grace. It just doesn't make sense for you to push all grace toward me, to give me all sufficiency in all things. I'm glad I'm not God, and aren't you glad I'm not God? To where he knows and understands the covenant. He says, you give me whatever. The song we just sang, come and lay down the burdens that you're carrying. And God says, I'll give you in replacement things that you could never obtain. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wives, and your sons' wives, with you. What is God telling you to build? He tells Noah, hey, something's coming. Something's going to happen. But it says in Genesis that Noah found favor in God's eyes. That Noah was a perfect man, a just man. And he says, that's someone that I want to make a covenant with. And he connects with Noah and he gives him instructions. I need you to start building. Something's coming on the horizon. Put your hands to the plow. Start working. But I'm going to make a covenant with you and I'll protect you on the other side. But I want to partner with you. I want to get together with you and show you and teach you and all these things. And then you start working. My dad works in aviation. He started out as a mechanic. He's a mechanic on pretty much anything with an engine. But he's worked his way up and he works with a government contract working on military planes. Now, if I leave here today and I go to my dad's office, my dad brings me into a hangar with these massive military planes. He says, hey, I need you to fix the engine of the plane. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you where the engine would be on the plane. Is it on the front, in the nose, underneath the captain's seat, or is it, is it on the wing? Do I need to go to the back of the plane? My father-in-law builds guitars. If I walked into his shop where he has all kinds of wood, my father-in-law is a genius because he's made instruments to build guitars. And if I walked in there and he said, hey, I need you to build a guitar, I'd probably instantly cut one of my fingers off. I would just instantly try and do some type of saw work and just cut two or three digits straight off. I was in Miami this whole week for work, and we were in a hotel overlooking the ocean, and they had a bunch of cruise ships there. And the cruise ships showed up, and they docked, and they were right out of our window. 
And then uh, Thursday morning, while we were working, the cruise ships started to move. They were going, setting sail. And the cruise ship was, was docked, and it started moving sideways. And then it came toward the hotel, and it kind of parallel parked in this bay so that it could go back out into the ocean. If I was told, hey, I need you to move the cruise ship, parallel park it, if I was just given these instructions, I'd, I'd, just, I'd just start pressing buttons. No, I need a manual. I need instruction. I need details on how to build an airplane. I, I can't do that on my own. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how to build a guitar. I don't know how to drive a cruise ship. I need someone who knows something more than me. I need the captain of the ship. I need my father-in-law or my dad right next to me saying, do this, do that, giving me instruction. God is telling us to build something in our lives. He wants us to build something in our lives. He gave us the Bible, the manual on how to build it. He is the ultimate craftsman who can tell us how to build it. But he didn't chop down the trees for Noah. We don't see in the scriptures where God clapped. He says, all right, Noah, we got to build something. And all the forests fell down. Noah had to sharpen his axe. He said, I've never built a, a boat before. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what that is. The detailed instruction that God gave him. My question to you, on top of what did God tell you to build, is what is your ark? What is it that God's telling you to build this year? What is your ark? You see, for me, I've got a couple different arks that God has told me to build. Number one, it's the church. It's, it's this house. It's this church, it's this body. I believe, and, and, and the men who oversaw this church and, and brought me here as a pastor asked me to come be the pastor. I believe through different visions and different words and, and talking with other pastors that God united me and brought me and my family here for this church and this community. Don't know how long, don't know what. We've moved many times being in ministry. I'm not planning on moving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I said never, and I showed up in a lot of places in ministry. So, But the church is an ark that God has told me to build. God gave me Maddie as a wife. I remember in Bible school, me and Maddie were dating. I've told this story before. Me and Maddie were dating, and the pastor who was mentoring us at the time said, Are you going to marry that girl? I said, I, I don't know, I don't know. I like her, she's pretty, she, she's fun to hang out with, she cooks really good food. And he said, what are you doing if you're not going to marry her? You're with somebody else's wife and you're wasting each other's time. Are you supposed to marry her? I said, I, I don't know. He said, have you asked God? I said, not yet. He said, why? I said, I'm scared he'll say no because I really like her. So we took three days fasting and praying, my wife being way more spiritual than me. God told her like 
12 seconds into our three-day fast that we were to be together, and then God waited until the last second. But I remember being in my room at Bible school, laying on the floor, worship music playing, praying and asking God, God, give me a word. I really like this girl. I think it can go somewhere. And I remember God giving me an answer. And the main thing that I remember and the thing that I have to remind myself, the thing that she reminds me of, is that God says, she is my treasure and I'm giving her to you. Steward her well. Make sure you take care of my treasure. My marriage and my wife is an ark that I have to build. The church is an ark that God gave me with instructions and a word from him that I have to build. Me and Tina had a conversation couple weeks back, and we were talking about um, some different things, but specifically I brought up uh, that God has given me some books that I've been writing. And I've got two of them in progress that I keep finding time to not do. One has three or four chapters, the other one has four or five, got a couple more that are there. But I believe it's something that God wants me to do. Those are arcs that God has given me to build. He's given me instruction on how to do that. I wrote down... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. God gave us what we believe, me and Maddie, with this cookie business that we've started. It's an arc. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what's going on with it. But we enjoy making cookies. People keep buying them. So we just keep making them. God gave me a word for 2024, intimacy. It's an ark that God has told me to build. Build intimacy with me. And he's been giving me instruction, giving me moments, giving me time. But because it's something I have to put my hand to, I have to also make time in the busyness of life to have that intimate moment with my wife in building our relationship, have that intimate moment with God more than normal to hear his voice. What is your ark? What are your arcs that God has given you throughout your life? I believe the Holy Spirit, as I'm talking, is even reminding you of some arcs that he gave you. I told you to build this. I told you to work on this. Put your hand to the plow. There's a business there's a marriage, there's a relationship, there's something that God has called you to do that he needs you to do. I can't do it. I can't go chop down the trees and I can't build your ark. That's between you and God. And the question is, what is God telling you or already told you to build? 1 John chapter 6, verse 3. John writes, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments, look at this, are not burdensome. Now, I kind of wrestled with this scripture this weekend. Because I said, you know, God, sometimes my marriage, what you've told me to do, can be burdensome sometimes. Sometimes the church if you've been in ministry, sometimes the church has a, little, has a little burden to it sometimes. 
Sometimes the things that you've told me to do, God, I don't know how to do them. I don't understand them. But this reassured me. This helped me. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdened. What he's telling you to do, although you might, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to fix that. I, I don't know. Your arc might be, this year you need to work on forgiving that person. I'm not chopping down. I am not building that. I, you know what they did to me? No, no, no. There's protection on the other side. God wants to protect you from something on the other side. But you've got to start building what he's told you to do. The second question as we go through the story of Noah is, have you obeyed and started building? Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, after, after God tells him, this is what's going to happen, this is what you need to build, this is, need, this is how you need to build it, and then it says, Noah went and took a nap. Noah threw his hands up and said, you know what, I, I'm going to call a contractor, somebody else who's built a boat, and I'll just pay them to do it, and maybe they'll figure it out. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him just to reaffirm the fact, so he did. Noah did not waver. Noah did not question. Noah went straight to work. Well, God said the world's going to end, but he said he's going to protect me. And the way we have to do that is build a boat. Imagine him going to his wife and his kids. Hey, let's Let's have a meal tonight. I want to tell you uh, what God told me. Uh, me and God had an encounter. We talked, and uh, I, I, want to, I want to share with you. So they ordered pizza. <laughs> whatever they did in the year 100 B.C. or whatever. They sat down to the meal. He says, all right, guys, let me tell you what God told me what's going to happen. The world is going to end in a couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years. But guess what? God's going to protect us. How's he going to protect us? We've got we to build a boat. A what? A big boat, apparently. I, I, I ran the numbers. I used my calculator, and it's a real big boat. And then we're going to put all the animals on it, too. All of them. Stinky ones. Mosquitoes? Bring those two. Roaches? Absolutely. Mice? Got to have them. Rats would love them. He could have just grenade-tossed the mice, rats, and two roaches off the boat. And boy, life would be better. And it says he did everything that God told him to do. Perfect to detail, he did it. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, look at this, do it with all your might, Ecclesiastes is sometimes a sad because look, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. Aren't you glad I didn't start with that scripture? But listen, there is a job, there is a purpose, there is a calling that God has for you on this planet. You're not going to get to heaven and then God's going to say, hey, guess what? You didn't work on your marriage back then. Now you got all of eternity to fix it. No, no, no. We're here on this earth. Hey, I told you to start this business. I told you to start this church. I told you to start this ministry. I told you to write this book. 
And he's got us here on earth for this purpose, for this plan. He's saying, I've got these arcs that I want you to build, and I want to partner with you. I want to tell you how to do it because there's something on the other side that'll benefit, that'll help you, that'll save you, and you've got to put your hand to the plow while you're here. I know life is busy, but come partner with me, and you will see that all my grace is sufficient to help you in all things. You're not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, go to your room and finish the book. You have the rest of eternity. Hurry up. No, no, no. I have while I'm here on earth to do a job and a purpose and a calling that God has for me, that God has for you. There is a work. There is a purpose. There is a calling that God has for you that I can't do, that this church can't do, that your spouse can't do. Y'all can do it together. But God has a calling for you to do. And have you obeyed? And have you started? Thomas Edison said, I never did anything by accident, nor did any of my inventions come by accident. They all came by work. Now, I am not talking about work to get to your salvation. There is no work that you can do to get saved. The only work you have to do is believe on the one who did all the work. But now that you're saved... There is a calling, there is a purpose, there is something that God wants you to do on the other side of salvation. I'm not just sitting here hoping and thinking, fingers crossed, oh yeah, the church will just, the church will just build itself. No, my marriage will just build itself. No, those books, they'll just write themselves. No, Thomas Edison said, I never just stumbled upon an invention. I had to do it by work. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Paul writes, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not as to men. Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest basketball players of our generation or the history of playing basketball, top 10 at least, some say top 5. He had something that he called the Mamba mentality and there was something that the all the other NBA players would talk about the work ethic that he had was next to none he would show up at gyms at two three in the morning and work do his own workout he'd shoot thousands of shots a day then he would go to practice with his team then he would go and play a game that night, and he'd score 30, 40, 50. The most he ever scored was 81 points. He was in a game one time where he popped his Achilles, and he started walking off the court, but he got fouled, so he walked back on the court, shot two free throws with a popped Achilles, and then walked off the court, and then instantly went into rehab. There's stories where Kobe would tell his other teammates, hey, we're going to Chicago, we're going to New York, we're going, we're in L.A., I understand you want to go party, you want to go to these restaurants, you want to do all these things, but we're here to do a job, and that's to win championships. And he would tell the players, I'll go out with you and go have fun with you, but then you have to go out with me and have fun with me. And these young rookies would say, yeah, Kobe, yeah, let's go. He said, so... We would go out that night, the night before a game. We'd go eat, we'd go drink, we'd have a good time. He said, but at 5 a.m., no matter what time we came in, I would pound on the hotel doors. Hey, I went and had your time, you're coming to have my time. 
And he'd bring these rookies into the gym at 5 a.m. before they had a night game, after they had partied the night before, probably going to bed by midnight, 2, 3. Kobe had this work ethic in him. He didn't care about who would talk bad about him. His teammates, coaches, he didn't care about the criticism. All he wanted was championships. He put in all the work. He did everything that he could, even behind the scenes, so that his ultimate goal was to win championships. My goal in life when I get to heaven is to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your kingdom of rest. Why do I get to rest when I enter into heaven? Because I've been working so hard here, building the arcs that God has told me to build. It's fun. It's fun to build the marriage. It's fun to build the church. It's fun to build the business. It's fun to build with God. Have you obeyed? And have you started building? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, look at this, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding, what? In the work of the Lord, knowing, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I've got to work on writing these books. I don't know if anyone will ever read them. I don't know if I'll ever publish them. Depends on what the Lord says in the next step of building those arcs. But I know it's an ark that God's telling me to build. To know that I can complete these things and write these things for myself. And if they show up somewhere, they show up. But knowing that my labor is not in vain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Nobody might ever come to me and say, how would you get such a good marriage? How would you get such good kids? Nobody might ever see that. But behind the scenes... I'm always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the labor of my marriage between me and my wife, building that ark between me and my kids of having good kids, that labor is not in vain. A goal of mine from now until eternity is standing in front of the throne room of God with my wife in hand and my two children next to me and say, God, look at what, look at what I did. The seeds that you gave me, a marriage, beautiful wife, two beautiful kids, the seeds, I, I didn't spoil them. I didn't burn them. I didn't destroy them. I did everything I could to bring a great harvest to you. The same thing I'll do with the church and the different ministries that I've had and the different people that I've interacted with. God, I did everything I could knowing that my labor is not in vain. Have you started working and building? The last thing I have, do you have the faith that God will do his part? Genesis chapter 7 verse 16. The flood came. Look at this. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God has commanded. They went into the ark. The thing that Noah built, God gave them instructions. He, he put his hand to the plow. He built it. And look at this. Went in as God had commanded him. And look at this. And the Lord shut him in. If I'm Noah, I've done all this work. I've, I've, I've built this thing. I've, I've painted it with tar to try and keep the water out, put water resistant. I've, I've caulked the whole thing. I've done all the things I could, put insulation in there, all those things, get all the animals in, get my wife, get my kids. There's a part of me, if I was Noah, that as soon as the rain started, as soon as the boat started to rock, I'd be like, I don't know if this is going to actually float. I don't know if I sealed this thing properly. But because Noah did everything that God told him to do, God says, don't worry, I got the rest. 
I'll seal it up. I'll keep you safe like I promised, the covenant that I had. God told him. God gave him all the instructions. Noah did the work. And then God on the other side said, I'll take care of the rest. I'll protect you. I'll seal you in. You did what you you did what I asked you to do. You obeyed. Now let me take care of the rest. Do you believe so many people don't get started doing the work because they're scared God's not going to show up? Do you have the faith to believe that God will do his part? Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. He shuts them in. The flood happens. They're sailing, going through as the water goes above the mountains. And look at this. Then God remembered Noah. Aren't you glad he remembers us and remembers us by name? And every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And look at this. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the water started to subside. God started moving. God just says, I just need you to do a little bit of things. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. I'll I'll tell you what to build. I'll tell you what your ark is. I'll tell you how to build it. I'm not going to build it for you. I need you to play a little bit of part in this. Start building it. And as soon as you start building it, as soon as you step out in faith, God says, I'll take care of the rest. I'll protect you. I'll make that ark the protection that you need. I'll save you. I'll heal you. I'll restore you. I'll do what needs to be done. With us baking these cookies, we have in this recipe that we have that how we make the cookies. And then as we have these different iterations of cookies... We keep writing down the recipes of the different flavors and how we made them and things like that. And then I mix all the ingredients. We have a recipe. I read the recipe. But that doesn't just magically put them all together. I've got to mix the almond flour. I've got to mix the powdered sugar. I've got to make the uh, crack open the eggs. Thank you all for the eggs all the time. I've got to sift out the, the different things. I've got to mix them all together until I have it ready to pipe and put them on the pan. But you know what I can't do? I can't generate enough heat to make the cookies. Come on, kids, everybody. We got to get to about 3.30. Everybody light a match and put it under each cookie. I can't bake the cookies on my own. I need an outside power that's stronger and hotter than me to take care of the rest. I've got the recipe. You've got the word of God. You've got the voice of God. He's asking you to build the ark. Put your hand to the plow and build what he's told you to do. But then God doesn't just leave you where you're at. He's the oven. He says, I'll take care of the rest. Thank you for just stepping out in faith. Let me take care of the rest. Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 22. Talking about Abraham, Paul's talking about Abraham. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Not only is he able, he's also willing. Verse 22. And therefore, praise God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says that Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And then Paul gets this revelation and it's something that he, he litters throughout his writings. It's in Galatians, it's in Romans a couple times, James even mentions it. 
It's the foundation of this new covenant. That you believe, and then God says, if you just believe and put faith in me, then I'll give you my righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Do you have the faith that God will do his part? In the historical faith records, it shows that Noah heard the voice of God, obeyed, built, and trusted God would be true to his word to save him and his family. And God is asking you the same thing as well. Last scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the halls of faith. Talks about all these men and women of faith and says what happens. Look at this. By faith, Noah being divinely warned, God told him, build an ark, of things not yet seen. Look at this. Moved with godly fear. I I bet you he did. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Husbands, men, I'm talking to you. It's your responsibility to build an ark to save your household. It doesn't say that Noah's wife although she probably did help to build the ark. She probably was involved, but Hebrews 11 says that it was Noah who built this ark to save his household. Men, don't make your wife save the household. It is your responsibility to manage, love, and bring them to God. Women will do it. If you slack off, they'll they'll bring the family, but don't make them. Build that ark of your household, of your family, to save your household. By which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. You can do it. You can do it. Last scripture, we talked about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I want to tell you today, in 2024, you can do it. You can build the ark. My question to you is, what is the ark? Chances are, if you're open and you're honest, there's probably a couple of arks that God has asked you to build. You need to go back and put your hand on. Chop some wood down. Get ready. Because there's something that God wants to do on the other side. He wants to protect you. He wants to help you. He's, He's saying something. What is God telling you to build? Have you started building? Have you obeyed and started building that ark? And as you're building that ark, please, please, please step out in faith and trust that God is going to show up and take care of the situation. Amen. You can do it. Let's stand up as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that can help us in 2024. The stories that happened decades and centuries and millennia ago, Father. We can take those stories that you inspired, that you spoke, that you placed in your word that we can read and that we can apply in our lives. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead and guide each and every person into the truth that you have for them. Father, they may be asking, what is my ark? I don't know my purpose in life. I I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. So God, I ask you to speak to them this week. Tell them what their ark is. Tell them what you want them to build in their lives. Father, there are some who've been been saved for a long time and they've left some arks by the wayside. Father, I ask you to help remind them of the arks that they need to get back to building. 
Get back to focusing on. Get back. Maybe it's a re- rekindling a relationship. Maybe it's like me and sitting down and finishing that book. Maybe it's starting that business. Maybe it's going on a date night with their spouse and saying, you know what? We got to change some things. Let's fall back in love again. Maybe it's calling that son or daughter, calling that person in the family. Whatever it is, God, remind them of the arcs that you have that you want them to build, knowing that there's a blessing on the other side of obedience. Father, help us keep our hand to the plow. Help us be obedient. Help us obey what you tell us to do, not just blow it off and say, well, I'll get to it eventually, God. No, no, no. Let let us be like Noah and do exactly what you tell us to do when you tell us to do it. And Father, I thank you by listening to your word, it raises our faith level. Father, help us walk on water in 2024. You've already told us to come and come out of the boat. And so, Father, we step out of that boat this year. And we come to you knowing that you're going to protect us, you're going to keep us safe, and you're going to help us. So, Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for the arcs that they're building. Father, I know that there's probably some arcs that they are going to help build in this church and help grow this church because of some of the things and the ideas and the things that you're placing inside of these people even now. So, Father, as we finish, I pray scripture over them. I thank you that they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're no longer victims, but they are victors because they are in Christ. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers and that the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and they have favor with man. I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I pray Psalm 91 protection over them and their household now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that they have the mind of Christ and that their body is the temple of the Most High God. Father, I thank you that by Jesus' stripes they are already healed. Father, I thank you that if we believe that beautiful gospel message, if we confess it with our mouth and believe it in our hearts, that we are made right with God, that we have eternal security with you, and that we are blessed to be saved from our sins. And that beautiful gospel message that Christ died for my sins, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. And if anyone confesses and believes that, then they are now a part of the kingdom of God. And Father, I ask you, to help us be a salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill as we go home, as we go to our jobs, as we go visit our families. Father, it says that we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. We are atmosphere changers. And so, Father, we call down heaven into earth, into our situation, starting this week. Father, use us. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you all next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.